0: Hello, everybody, I'm happy you're here. Thanks for coming to church this morning. And if you're watching online, so happy you joined us as well. So we are in a new series. We just started last week. It will call All In. And what it really is about is about this phrase that Jesus uses over and over again. You'll find that he uses it far more than some of the religious terms that we use today. I want to just show you this sentence. This sentence, uh, it kind of encapsulates what we're getting at. More frequently than not, Jesus would ask people to follow rather than ask them to believe certain things or behave certain ways. So, think of religion. And when I say religion, I'm I'm talking generally. Religion has a tendency, it could be Christianity, it could be something else, to focus on these two words. It's all about what you believe, and it's all about what you behave. And actually, if we are not careful, we emphasize these things above everything else. In fact, we sometimes say, in order to follow, you have to believe these things, you can't believe these other things, and you have to change your behavior before you're ever invited to follow. But here's what Jesus did that drove the religious establishment crazy. He asked people who had the wrong beliefs and the wrong behavior to follow him. Look at that. So last week, we looked at a guy named Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. He literally is a professional extortionist. He is working for the occupying Roman government. He's collecting taxes. He's taking from people. He's got all the wrong beliefs and all the wrong behaviors. And what does Jesus say to him? He does not look at Matthew and say, okay, Matthew, we need to talk. You believe that people are just a commodity. You believe that people have no value. You believe that your wealth, your personal comfort is of highest importance. Matthew, you steal from people. You need to get a new vocation. Instead, what does he do? He looks at Matthew, who's actually sitting at his tax collector's booth, taking money from people. And Jesus says, Follow me. Follow me. Now, why can Jesus do that? It's because of this. Religion, complex religion, always says here's how you change. You begin to believe the right things and you begin to behave the right way, and eventually external things work their way into your heart and you'll become a different person. But Jesus presented it this way He said, just begin to follow. Just begin to follow don't get me wrong. These two things are important, but they're secondary. As I follow, my beliefs begin to reorient themselves. As I follow, my behavior changes. Not because I feel pressured that if I don't have the right beliefs and behaviors, God could never love me, but because as I follow, I realize that I am loved. As I follow, I realize How magnificent he is, and I want my beliefs and I want my behaviors to align with him. Let me give you an example. This week I was away. For the last three years, I've had this fun opportunity to film a a TV show for the Outdoor Channel, and so I was away. And we got you got camera crews there and production people. It's just a great time. But one night, I'm staying up late, and I'm talking with one of the young men there, and somehow our conversation moved to just spiritual things. They never quite know what to do. You know, it's like on this TV show, it's like country music artists and NASCAR drivers and a pastor. Like I, one of these things is not like the other, right? Uh, and so he's like, so what do you do? And I tell him, well, I work at a church and we start talking. And then I ask a question that I ask a lot of people. I just say, tell me about your spiritual journey. It's non-threatening. And he began to talk and this was his story. I, I, I bet he's mid-20s. He said, well, I grew up going to church all the time. He said, but I never understood it. And I just tuned out. And he said, the good news about Sunday is that when church was over, our family went out to eat. And so I would just sit there and try to get through it so that we can go out to eat. He said, it just didn't make any sense to me. I, I didn't understand what was happening. But he said, I'll tell you something that's different. I've moved away from my hometown. They said, I'm living with my girlfriend. And my girlfriend and I have been going to a different type of church. He said, I'm starting to wonder if I missed something growing up. So I, I'm, I'm starting to like ask questions and wonder if there's really something to this. And I always just thought it was, it was kind of like going to school. You had to go to church. They're just expected of you. We said, "Now we don't go all the time. We'll go once or twice a month. But it gives us things to talk about. And we're beginning to wonder what we believe. Okay, so it's just him and I, it's late at night. I have an opportunity because his next next question is, what should I do? Okay, the religious part of me says, did you say you're living with your girlfriend? Right? (laughs) Some of the things that you just said about God were theologically incorrect, young man right? Hey, that's, that's an easy place for us to go. But his question, what should I do? Here's what I told him. I think you should just keep following. I think you should just keep listening. I think you should just keep exploring and asking questions because this is what I believe at the core of who I am, is that the power that Jesus has to transform someone who's following is much more substantial than the power of religion to transform someone. Just keep following. Now, in the passage we're going to read today, so in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, it's kind of a classic story. If, If you grew up going to church, it was one of the stories we used the felt board for. I don't know if you've been around, but the felt board was like this fuzzy board and you took like the boat and you put the boat on the felt board and then you took the fisherman, you put the fisherman on the boat and then here comes Jesus and you stick Jesus on there. But it is a story that is so rich, so full. and, And here's what I love. I think it describes a process that takes place in everybody's life. Sure, there's a moment when I decide to follow Jesus, but as I've wrestled with this text, I think it's defining a process that is constantly taking place in my life. It's a process of what it means to follow Jesus. Let's read together. Matthew chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, Gennesaret is another way of saying Lake of Galilee. Now, before we go any farther, I just want to show you a picture of the Lake of Galilee. This is the setting. It's helpful for us to put this into context. So, you know, living, for those of you who live in Billings, Montana, when we think of lake our really only model is Lake Elmo, okay? Like That's our imagery, right? Well, I I just want to show you this picture because this is a little bit different than Lake Elmo. Interestingly, all of Lake Galilee is actually below sea level, but it is fed from the north by this river known as the Jordan River. Jordan River then flows out to the south into the Dead Sea. And it's a big lake. I mean, it's a lake that when the wind comes, storms come, I mean, there are big waves, it can sink ships, It's right kind of in the middle of the country. It's the largest body of water. And up towards the north is where Jesus lived. He lived in a a place called Capernaum. And it's right here in Galilee, where we're going to read. And it was full of fishermen. And interestingly, Galilee was known to people who lived in the the big cities like Jerusalem as kind of the the backwoods. It was, uh, people from Galilee had a distinct accent, they were people who really never traveled. They were, they were fishermen and they were farmers and they were considered kind of the simple people. And so this is where Jesus is interacting and this is where this is going to take place. So right here on the Sea of Galilee. Let's go back to the text. People were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, apparently uninvited. He just sees the boat, he climbs into one of them, the one belonging to Simon. Now, Simon, it might be a little bit confusing because he's also called Peter. Jesus is gonna change his name to Peter. Here he's called Simon, later he'll be called Peter. And asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. And followed him. There's our phrase. And followed him. So if this is indeed a a passage that talks about the process of following, I think there's four distinct aspects to this. The first one would be this. Very simple. First step to following Jesus is to sit and to listen. To sit and to listen. So Jesus is here on the shore of Galilee and the crowd comes. And it's a significant crowd. And you will find that whenever Jesus teaches, people want to hear. So people come in droves. You know what they call Jesus' message? This is the phrase they use. So someone would maybe hear Jesus, and they'd go home, and they'd say, you're not going to believe what I experienced today. I met this rabbi, this teacher, and he was teaching. And it was so different than any rabbi I've ever heard before. And their friend would ask, well, what was different? and this is the phrase they use well it was good news good news the original phrase euangelion meant good news that's how people described the words of jesus when they heard it it was good news it was news that gave them hope it was news that maybe God wasn't as hard to know as they thought. It was news that maybe they weren't too far gone. It was news that maybe God was a God of second chances. It was news that maybe God wasn't all concerned about their behavior, but concerned about their hearts. It was the news that God wanted relationship with humanity, that he, he knew them and he loved them and he had a plan to restore them. It was news that there was a solution to the power of sin and the power of death and all the guilt and all the shame that people carried around. They described it as good news. So people came to hear the good news. It was compelling. It it wasn't like the other people who talked about God. When the other people talked about God, they felt ashamed. They felt like they could never measure up. They felt that God was really angry with them. But when Jesus spoke it was vastly different. So they're crowding in. Who's in that crowd? I think there's people who were legitimately interested. And there's people that are filled with doubts. And there's people in the crowd who are Terribly skeptical of what Jesus is saying. And there's people who probably disagree with him. And there's people who sense something in their lives that's responding to what Jesus is saying. I mean, the, the crowd is filled with all types of people. But the beginning of following Jesus always begins with listening. Listening to this news that begins to reorient, to unravel some things that I've always assumed... In fact, I love that the writer of the book of Romans, he says this about what it means to have faith. Consequently, faith comes from, doesn't come from doing religious things. It doesn't come from joining a church. It doesn't come from cleaning up your act. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we want faith, right? Well, where does faith come from? It comes from listening to Jesus. With my doubts, with my skepticism, with my uncertainty, with my belief, or my lack of unbelief, uh, just listening. People crowd in because they wanted to hear. And as Jesus spoke, something began to build in them that, maybe there is an option maybe there is a god that loves me maybe i could begin to trust this god you know one of the things that we want for this church i get i get letters every now and then that, you know they they'll challenge me it's typically from other spiritual leaders and they'll say boy you guys you know you water everything down and uh, Like, I really disagree with them, but, you know, you listen. And I'll respond and say, you know what? I don't think we water anything down. Here's what we want. We want to be comprehensible. Because what people found 2,000 years ago to be really good news, that had the potential to change everything, we believe that that message is still good news. We believe that it provides hope for hopeless people and second chances for people who have blown it. And so we, this is what we, we want to provide environments in small groups, in, in this setting, in our homes, wherever it might be, where we can hear the good news over and over and over and faith begins to be built. So maybe you'd say, I think that's me. I'm like Peter, I'm like all the people in the crowd. I'm compelled, I'm interested, but I'm not there yet. Just keep listening. Keep asking questions. Keep, Keep looking through this book. Step one, sit and listen. But then it progresses. For Peter, it's going to have three more steps. Next, it would be this. Loan him the boat. Loan him the boat. So uh, you can imagine the setting. They're they're on the Lake of Galilee. There's no PA system. Jesus is trying to speak to a crowd of probably thousands, and he's being pressed back towards the water. So he sees a boat, and without invitation, he walks over, and the boat's probably just in very shallow water. He climbs on top of the boat, and he looks at the guy who owns the boat, who's busy doing what? cleaning the nets after a whole night of fishing. And he says, would you push this boat off just a little bit into the water? And because Jesus like created water and acoustics and all that, he realizes if I could be in the water, I could sit down and my voice would carry across the water. Where do they think this happened? It's almost like a natural amphitheater. Thousands of people could have sat on the shore and heard him teach. All of a sudden, Peter is asked to do something besides sit and listen. Jesus jumps in his boat and says, would you just inconvenience yourself a little bit? And would you let your boat, would you let what what represents your vocation, would you let me use it to talk to people? See, here's, here's what Jesus does. Jesus has this tendency to begin to get involved in my business, right? North America is kind of the mindset, the worldview we have is this has been with us for thousands of years. It's actually Greek in it's orientation. We kind of think, well, here's the spiritual realm. That's one world and people believe different things, but this is the spiritual realm, but then it's separated. Here's the natural realm. In the natural realm, this is where is real life. This is where we work. This is where we bleed. This is where we're sick. This is where we achieve. This is money. This is all those things. And we tend to kind of separate them. There's the supernatural world and the natural world. And here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to be continually stepping across this fabricated line, this line of demarcation that we have mentally, between the spiritual and the natural. And he's going to step into people's business. So we typically would say, Well, Jesus, I like listening to you. And if what you're saying is real, I, I, I would like that, especially when I die. Like sounds good. But Jesus isn't content. We're just staying in the spiritual realm. He starts to step over. And for Peter, he steps directly into his vocation, his boat is what he uses to make a living, to provide for his family. It's stepping into his financial life. It's stepping into, this is, this is where P- Peter is the expert. Jesus steps onto the boat. And here's what I find. Jesus is always stepping into parts of my life that I haven't necessarily given him full access to. So this is what Jesus will do. You're listening. You're like, that's nice. Boy, that's a compelling message. And then suddenly, Jesus is like stepping into your financial life. You're like, Whoa, uh, I got it, Jesus. I'm saving. Like, I'm responsible. I don't need you here. He's stepping into your relational life. No, no, no. I know how to do relationships, yeah, I figured it out. He's stepping into my attitude, my hobbies. He steps into my morality, my ethics my sexuality. And we think, oh, no, no, no. You just, you stay over there and keep telling me good news. I like that. And Jesus says, but there's more. I want to step into the areas of your life and I'm going to ask you for a slight inconvenience. Would you allow me to use your life as a platform? Would you give me access to the things that are yours, Jesus steps in to our lives, into our worlds, and he suddenly, he cares about what's happening inside of me. He cares about what I value. He, he brings his interruption that leads to this third step. And this is where, for Peter, progressively, everyone is a little bit more challenging. Third step is this. Peter's invited to take Jesus fishing. So after Peter has let him speak from his boat, and I think, boy, that's very generous of you, Peter. You let Jesus step into your life. Jesus is done talking, and he looks at Peter, and he says, let's push out in the deep water, let down the nets, for a catch of fish. Okay. Now, there are so many things wrong with Jesus' plan. Numbers of them, okay? Here's the first thing, he says, for a catch of fish. Listen, anybody, anybody who fishes, you never promise anyone they're gonna catch fish. Like that, that's, that's terrible, you always underpromise, overdeliver. But Jesus says, we'll go out and we'll catch a lot of fish. Um, I have a, my friend Randy Zicker, he has this phrase, he fishes a lot and we fish together. I'll say, how was fishing? He, he'll always say, fishing was good. Catching not so much. Right? (laughs) He has a distinction between fishing and catching. Because there really is a difference. So what else is wrong with this? Jesus is a rabbi, a teacher, but we're also told that he was a technon, technon in the Greek language, which meant he was a a worker with his hands. Okay, worker with his hands. Now, a lot of people like were taught that Jesus was a carpenter. Really, in first century Israel, there really weren't any carpenters. There was just no wood. Everything was made out of stone. So the point is that Jesus was a builder, probably used a lot of stone to build different things. And so now you have this stonemason who's a rabbi sitting on Peter's boat and he says, hey, let's go fishing. Well, Jesus, you're not an expert. You don't get this. Peter, Peter's done this a thousand times. He is a professional fisherman. He was probably the son of a professional fisherman. And Jesus Do you realize what we just did? We just cleaned the nets while you were talking. So the nets, there weren't these big trolling nets because the fish actually, they catch were quite small. So they're small little nets made of natural fibers, incredibly valuable, expensive. And so after every night of fishing, it would typically take somewhere around two hours. You had to pick all the debris out and you have to hang them and dry them overnight. Otherwise they'd rot away. So they spent two hours cleaning their nets. They're hanging up and drying. And Jesus says, hey, let's go fishing. It'd be like if you just came home from a camping trip and it rained all weekend long. You know how hard, anybody else, is it really hard for you to go camping? Like, where's the sleeping bags? Where's the stove? Like, it takes us forever, and then you get everything put away, and somebody showed up at your house and said, let's go camping. No, we just did that. Like, we, <laughs> bad timing. is terrible timing. Here's another problem. Lake Igali, to this day, nobody fishes during the day. You didn't do it. The lake is incredibly deep, a very hot climate. The only time that fish come into the shallows where you could reach them with these nets is during the nighttime. The oxygen levels are just too low. So all fish retreat to the deep recesses, spend the hot day there. They'll come up during the daytime into shallow areas where fishermen can reach them. And so, and it's obviously the fishing's poor too. Simon Peter says, we, we just fished all night. We didn't catch anything. Like Jesus you're like, what you're saying right now is crazy. I have a boat. Um, it's not like, don't ask me to go water skiing or anything because it's a, it's a drift boat. Like the <laughs> fastest I can go is like this, okay? Um, very simple boat, goes one way down the river. And I've taken a lot of people fishing. When I take people fishing, guess who the captain of the boat is? Wang. Okay. I'm in charge. That means I'm responsible for equipment. I bring lunch. I get the boat down there. I bring, like, I'm just, like if they haven't fly fished, I, I'm working with them all morning. This is how you cast. This is what we want to tie on. This is how you're going to read the water. This is probably where you look for fish. So all of that, like, that's my job because I'm the captain. If I took somebody fishing and they sat down at the rower seat, I'd be like, get out. Like, that, that's where I sit. Like, I'm in charge of this boat, Right? Not you. You're going to row us into a bush or something. Like, no, get out. Because I'm in charge. Peter is in charge of his boat. And he has just graciously allowed Jesus to step onto the boat, step into his vocational life. But then Jesus makes this ludicrous request. Peter, would you push out into the deeper water? And let's, let's let down our nets for a catch of fish. Jesus is asking if Peter would relinquish his role as captain. Because as captain, Peter got to make all the decisions, when they'd fish and how they'd fish. And here's Jesus. And he's asking Peter, Peter, Would you let me make the call? Would you allow me to speak my words into your life? And Peter has to decide this, can Jesus be trusted? It's the same thing that every one of us has to decide. When Jesus begins to step into our world, And ask us to do things that seem counterintuitive. Ask us to do things that we think, that's not the way I do it. That doesn't seem safe. That seems like too big of a risk. And Jesus says, will you trust me? Here's Peter's response. Nevertheless, because you say so, Peter did not necessarily think it was a good idea, nor did he agree with the timing. Here's what he did. He trusted. <coughs> oh, Jesus, you know how tired I am. We fished all night. I really appreciated that sermon you just preached for my boat. That was good for me. It was good for people. I, Jesus, I, I let you hang out on my boat, and now you want to go fishing? It's the wrong time. And here's, here's what Peter comes down to. He knows that this is a moment where how he responds it's going to change the outcome of his life so he says because you say so i don't understand but for some reason i'm going to trust you i've listened i've built faith i've allowed you into my life and now I am going to do something that I've never done before, I don't agree with, but I trust you because you say so. So for every one of us, there are these moments, there are these days when Jesus starts coming into our life deeper and deeper where I am terribly uncomfortable. But this is my phrase. Because I trust you. Because you asked me. Because I love you do it. Do it. Here's here's the fourth and final step in Peter's life. It's a reoriented life. A reoriented life. So uh, Jesus said they'd catch fish, right? they, They sure do. It's a huge catch of fish. The other boat loads up. They're both about sinking. What's Peter's response? Simon Peter falls, he's at Jesus' knees. So imagine the, the commotion, fish are flopping, the guys are celebrating. But Simon Peter has a completely different experience. He falls and he's at Jesus' knees. Imagine the vulnerability. We, we don't do this. But in the ancient world, you'd fall to your knees in front of royalty if you were a king who had been conquered, you were forced to come into the conquering king's courtroom and you fell on your knees. And so here's, here's Peter. He falls on his knees. He's grasping Jesus. And what does he say? It's interesting. He says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. See, there, there, there's something about a genuine interaction with Jesus that changes my identity. I begin to understand things. First, how does he address Jesus? Up to this point, he called him master or rabbi interchangeably. Now he calls him Lord, Curios. Lord. It's a formal, t- formal title. He says, you are Lord. I, I knew you were a compelling teacher. I, I, I knew that you had unique words. But now in this moment, I am realizing the vastness of who's in my boat. And then the other part of his realization is what? He says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I, what is happening in Peter's life? Is he just, is he aware of all the doubts? Was he rowing Jesus out thinking this guy is, oh, what a piece of work. I'm just going to do it for him. I'll get him out there in the water. Is he aware of his lack of faith? Is he aware of his own failures from the past and his brokenness? Does he feel a sense of shame or embarrassment? We don't know exactly, but he feels this sense of, I am so unworthy to be with you. Leave me. You're beyond me. I, I, I don't deserve to be here. And what is Jesus' response? Simon Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, there's this potential in everyone's life. When you have this encounter with Jesus and you've fallen to your knees and you realize how broken you are, you say, I'm so broken, I'm so sinful, and you spend your life trying to avoid intimacy with this God because you feel so much shame. And this is what Jesus says to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your brokenness. Don't be afraid of your failures from the past. Don't be afraid of your lack of faith. And then Jesus says... From this point on, this is, this is a pivot point for you, Simon Peter. Before, you've, you've made your living chasing fish, but from this point on, you will fish for human beings. And Peter walks away from the boat and the business and follows Jesus for the next three years. He walks away from it all. Where are you at? Where am I at? Maybe you're early and you've just, you're sitting and you're listening and that's why you're here and we're so grateful. But faith is building and you, listen, I'm gonna warn you, you better watch out because Jesus is gonna start to step into parts of your life that you're not ready for. And you're going to have to decide what to do with him. Maybe you've been following him for many, many years. And here's the problem. I always think I'm fully surrendered, but I'm not. <laughs> year after year, I'm like, oh, really? Oh, my God. Jesus will be stepping into parts of my life that need to be surrendered to him. i want to show you a picture in closing. Some of you probably recognize this. Anybody been to Rome? St. Peter's Basilica, one of just, you know, look at it, extraordinary. Look at how many people are there. It's the head of the Roman Catholic Church. It's where it's Peter, who eventually, the St. Peter we're talking about, he becomes the leader of the Christian church after Jesus uh, leaves the planet and he makes his way to Rome. He's killed there. And so where he's at, they they bury his body and they say, we're going to build the basilica. It was an extraordinary, I think it took something like 135 years to build. Some of the most famous artwork in the world is inside. What if, what if, what if Peter had said, "Uh, Jesus says, take me fishing. And Peter's like, no, this is another day. We're coming back tonight. Meet us tonight. What if Peter just would have said, Jesus, listen, like, go build something. That's what you're good at. Let me decide when we fish. Jesus, what if Jesus would have said, no, no, Peter, seriously, this is a big moment in your life. Peter's like, nah. Jesus shows him this picture. He goes, Peter, trust me. You seriously want to take me fishing. Because if you do, that's your future, buddy. That is your future. They're going to build this magnificent place in your honor. How many little decisions do you and I have? And it hangs in the balance. And I can either say, no, not now. That doesn't make sense. Or I can say, because you say so. I don't know if I have enough money for that. I don't know if I have time for that. I don't know if I have enough courage for that. But because you say so, I'll do it. Jesus, everybody in this room has their own spiritual journey Lord, I want to pray for those in the room who have been following you for some time. Lord, would you walk us through this process? There are still parts of our lives where we are possessive. There are parts of our lives where we're prideful and we're fearful. We do not trust you. Lord, As we listen, would our faith be built? Would we begin to trust? And would you step into places of our lives where maybe we've excluded you? Maybe it's because of shame. Maybe it's because we've got a secret. We invite you in, and we invite you to ask us to do something we've never deemed possible. And we'll say this: because you say so, Jesus, we'll follow surrender will trust and then there are those of us who are listening right now and we we're in the crowd and we're listening and there's something incredibly compelling about the message of Jesus it's really good news and we're being stirred and I think the invitation right now at this moment is this It's an invitation to follow. If this is your moment where you know it's time to move from just a listener to become a follower, it's a profound movement that changes your life. If you're ready to do that, to say today, I wanna follow. I wanna begin the process of surrender. If that's you, would you just boldly raise your hand and wave it at me and catch my eye? Yeah, absolutely, right there. It's a new day for you. Yes. Yes, sir. Both of you men. You're His. He loves you. He forgives you. Yeah. Both of you guys right here down front. Yes. Ladies, you're His. You're forgiven. You're made new. Yeah, I see your hand as well. Right over here. Yes. You're here. Yeah. Right in the back, absolutely. If you're in the balcony, will you wave at me if that's you? Yeah, okay. All right, you mean it right there, don't you? Absolutely, yes. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Absolutely, I see your hand. Yes. You are made new. Okay, right here, yeah. Beautiful. And here, yes, sir. You're his. You're his. Everybody, would you open your eyes and would you just give a round of applause to a whole bunch of people who made a very profound decision? Mm. Love it. I love it. Now, for those of you who raise your hands, this is the beginning of a journey. I want you to know this is your spiritual birthday. Everything's made new. There's a Bible that is free. I want to get in your hands. It's at the Welcome Center. There's also a way to jump into groups, go back there and ask questions. Everybody else, be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus and follow him wherever he leads and just say, because you say so. If you need prayer for anything, there's people you can trust up front. God bless.